Good people of Denver, I give you the governor of the Roman province of Judea. Be seated. My name is Pontius Pilate. Pontius is a family name from northern and central Italy 2,000 years ago. Pilatus, uh, from which you get Pilate, Pilatus, means armed with a spear. And that's fitting. For I'm a military man, I love the arena the gladiators, the games. Through powers that you cannot even begin to comprehend, it has been arranged for me to speak with you today. The events of which I speak are recorded in the Gospel of John, which I understand that you have been studying. Chapter 18 through 21 tells my story. In 26 AD, I was appointed by the Roman Emperor Caesar Tiberius himself to my post in the province of Judea. I was what was referred to as a friend of Caesar. My post, the province of the government of, of, of Judea, the provinces deemed peaceful were usually judged and ruled by the Senate. But provinces deemed trouble were ruled by strong-arm governors like myself. And Judea was trouble. It was in the Middle East. It was of strategic interest to the Roman Empire. And yet it was packed with religious fanatics and terrorists. I hope you realize that the Roman Empire and your empire are not all that different. Your government is based on principles of Roman law. Your national symbol is the same as our national symbol, the eagle. And whether you conquer with military or economic force, you still wield imperial power. I'm saying that of all the characters in the Bible, I am most familiar to you Americans, the governor, the prefect, the procurator, the president of Roman Judea. Now over the years, I have received a great deal of bad press. But let me say, I am not a crook. <laughs> I am not a crook. On track. Stay the course. A thousand points of light. Stay the course. 
and read my lips. No new taxes. <laughs> you know, people say that the death of Jesus is my fault. Well, that depends on what the meaning of is <laughs> is. And I'm going to say it again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Maybe a little historical perspective is in order. 63 B.C. Rome had occupied Judea. Our intelligence had unequivocally indicated that the Jews had a WMD. That means weapon of mass destruction. Look at this irrefutable military surveillance map. And you'll see that the Jews kept the WMD in a, a massive stone bunker. A massive stone bunker that they referred to as the temple. In an inner room in that bunker that they referred to as the sanctuary, <laughs> the WMD itself, they called the Ark of the Covenant. Historical recordation indicated that this WMD was more powerful than like a million gazillion nuclear warheads. <laughs> and so we launched Operation Desert Storm. Operation Infinite Justice and Operation Enduring Freedom. <laughs> Mission. As I was saying, mission accomplished. <laughs> We stabilized the region. <laughs> Upon occasion, some have doubted my integrity. And so, I present to you this document. My certificate of live birth completely unaltered or tampered with in any way. And now upon occasion, some have said, you Romans cannot rule the whole world. And to that I say, Yes, we can. <laughs> yes, we can. My point being, of all the characters in sacred scripture, I, Pontius Pilate, may be most familiar to you, my fellow Americans. I was a politician, something of a philosopher. I grew up on Heraclitus and 
Plato and Aristotle. They spoke of the logos, the reason, the truth behind all things, bringing all things together. But that question, what is the truth, is a very difficult question to answer. For how could you ever prove that the truth is true? If there is truth, it can't be proven. It must be recognized. And you see, by 30 AD, I despaired that I would ever find the truth. I figured brute strength must be closest to the truth. It must be best, a strong arm. The Roman Empire, power and glory, that's the best. And so my mentors were not only Heraclitus, Plato, and Aristotle, but ancestors much more ancient than these. Conan, what is best in life? To crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentation of their women. That is good. That is good. That is good. Behold the man. I mean, that man would make a great governor, don't you, don't you think? <laughs> and I was a great governor, and yet I was haunted by this thought. We Romans rule the world, and yet everywhere we go, people want to throw their shoes at us to rule. Not only the world, but a human heart. That would be real power. That would be real glory. And to be honest, I, I, I longed for a truth, a power, a glory, sufficient to rule my heart. Now, I knew Caesar. They said that he was a god, or a son of God, or a god-man. Granted, he, he did have a salad named after him. <laughs> but. But if he, if he was a lord, he was a lord entirely incapable of capturing one human heart. What kind of lord is that? Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He is loose the faithful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. What truth is that? What power is that? What glory? Is that, what's that vineyard, what's that sword, what's the truth? I figured it must just be the last one standing, the trumpet that shall never call retreat. And, and that's what I look for in a soldier and in a man. I look for a man, I look for a man who would not abandon his post. For when I saw it, I figured that I would be closest to the truth. Well, enough about me. I'm here to tell you about the trial, the judgment seat, and the man who would not abandon his post. It was a Friday of Passover week. Thousands had journeyed to Jerusalem for the feast, and I had moved my residence temporarily to Jerusalem to the Praetorium, which was just immediately north of that temple in order that we could keep a close eye upon the dealings of the Jews. I hated Passover. 
The Kidron Valley literally became a river of lamb's blood. On this Friday, as John tells it, at high noon, the priests would begin slaughtering thousands of lambs at, at high noon. It was said that the blood atoned for sins. You see, the Jews were just like these religious fanatics. And yet, I admired their resolve. Only six years earlier, I had corralled hundreds of them that were protesting into the arena in Caesarea and demanded that they honor the emperor. Instead of obeying, they bared their necks and they cried out in unison, we have no king but God. And I relented, fearing a rebellion that day. But trust me, I slaughtered hundreds, even thousands on other days. Well, it was early on this particular morning that a mob led by the chief priest came to the praetorium. They would not enter the praetorium for fear that I would defile them. And yet, they threw this defiled, rather wretched-looking man at my doorpost. The, the, the man had already been beaten. They said he was an insurgent. They were all insurgents. They said that he wanted to be king. They all wanted to be king. I could tell. They were jealous. They wanted me to judge him, and I knew why. They wanted him crucified. For in their law, a man that's hung on a tree is cursed. They hated this man. And yet they were terrified of this man, as if they knew that he, he, he really could be king. And then you see, they would no longer be king. Just a few days before this, he had entered the city and thousands literally worshiped him. Well, I called the man into the praetorium and with disdain, I said, are you the king of the Jews? What happened next completely surprised me. I was not expecting this. The man lifted his head, beaten and covered with spit, his eyes bore into mine, and this is what he said. Pilate, do you say this of your own accord? Or did others say it to you about me? No hint of sarcasm, insolence, bitterness. It was like he truly wanted to know. It was like he genuinely cared about me and my answer to that question. And so you see, that's when the battle began. With the charge of insurrection, the, the Jews had me trapped. If I showed mercy to a man that even hinted at uh, some sort of kingdom, not in subjection to Caesar, if I showed mercy to that man and then word got back to Caesar, I could be crucified. And so I knew that day I must crucify. And you should know I had tried, judged, and crucified thousands. And in every instance, I felt justified. For in every instance, no matter how generous, no matter how kind a man seemed, once he was trapped by fear, once he felt the sting of my whip, once he was subject to my derision and reviling, invariably, he would revile in return. You see, before you kill a man, you have to make him evil in your own eyes or you'll go insane. 
And with every man I'd ever met, even the man that I looked at in the mirror, with every man I ever met, that was remarkably easy to do. And so that day the battle began. To his kindness I mocked, am I a Jew? Your own people and the chief priest delivered you up to me. What have you done? And the man answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting. That I might be, not be delivered up to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. I, I, I just sneered at him. So you, you are a king? And then he said, plain as day, without sarcasm, he said, you say that I am king. I didn't say that. Did I? Did I say that somehow? I mean, why was this man getting under my skin? You say that I am a king. For this purpose, I was born, and for this purpose, I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And I close my eyes. I close my eyes. I hung my head and, and, and I muttered, what is, what is truth? He didn't answer because he is the truth. I closed my eyes, then I went back outside to the Jews because I had an idea. I, I called out to them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release for you this uh, king of the Jews? And they cried out over and over again in unison, not this man, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a lastes. Translated robber sometimes. It means like an insurrectionist, a, 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 a rebel. He was an insurgent. Of course, they called him a patriot or a freedom fighter. We called him a terrorist. Terrorist. And, 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 and then, I, then I think it, it hit me. Conan the barbarian, Caesar, me, Barabbas, the chief priest, the, the Jews, I, I think we were all exactly alike. It's just that we had different slogans on our t-shirts. It's like we were all terrorists, motivated by terror, wielding terror, terrorists. Except perhaps for this man, Jesus. And I would soon find out. I had him flogged, I had him flogged. Flogging would often bear the bones on a man's body and even his bowels, it could kill a man. And the soldiers mocked him, they placed a crown of thorns upon his head uh, and they put a purple robe on his back and then they would hit him with their fists crying, hail king of the Jews, they reviled him and he would not revile in return. I was in awe of him, becoming terrified of him. 
Once again, I took him out to the crowd, except this time beaten to a pulp and dressed like some kind of mock king and anti-king. And, and I said, I find no guilt in him. But believe me, I wanted to find guilt in him because if I could find fault in him, it would somehow maybe perhaps excuse the fault in him. But I said, I find no guilt in him. Look at him. Behold the man. Behold the man. And they did. It was like it just made them cry all that much more. Crucify him, crucify him. And I yelled, you crucify him. And then they answered me. They answered, we have a law. And according to that law, this man must die because he has made himself the son of God. The son of God. And then I was terrified. We have legends about sons of God and God men and and so I took him back inside the praetorium and I pleaded with him. I pleaded, where are you from? And he would not answer. How could he answer? He's from everywhere and nowhere. He's from beyond space and time itself. He's the logos, the word, the truth. So I said to him, you, you won't speak to me. Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? And he was utterly unmoved. He just looked at me with these eyes, even of compassion, and he said, you would have no authority over me, Pilate, unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, he who has delivered you to me has the greater sin. It was like he was trying to comfort me. He said it as if he forever wanted to quiet this agony in my soul, and yet that produced an even greater agony in my soul. You see, it was kindness, utterly devoid of fear, and it burned me. It burned me like a consuming fire that would not change, an eternal consuming fire. I sought to release him, but the Jews, the Jews who hated me and just despised Caesar, they cried out, if you release this man, you are not a friend of Caesar. Any man who calls himself a king opposes Caesar. And I knew they had me. I would die, or this Jesus would die. And so I brought Jesus out and I, I sat down on the Bema, that's what we called it, the, the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement. And now get this, it was Friday. It was high noon. And so the priests began to sacrifice the Passover lamb. I said, behold your king, and they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. I said, shall I crucify your king? And the chief priests in unison said together, we have no king but Caesar. And so then, in agony, I judged him. I damned him to crucifixion. And yet he would not judge me. He would not damn me. 
And by that very fact, I, 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 I was judged. I was damned. We were damned, damned to outer darkness with no king but Caesar and ourselves and the evil one. John 3, 19, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than the light. Even as we nailed him to that horrid tree, reviled, he would not revile. Cursed, he would not curse. Damned, he would not damn. Rejected by all, he would not reject. In fact, he cried out, Father, forgive them. Even loaded with the sin and the shame of the entire world. Even feeling forsaken by God himself. Even though he was tormented by Satan from the pit of hell, he would not abandon his post. And what is his post? In a word, love. And he is the word of love. God is love and Jesus is the word of love. Even though all deny him, even though all deny him, he will not deny himself. He he does not change. He is the last man standing. In the words of St. Paul, love abides, love remains. Love bears all things, love believes all things, love hopes all things, love endures all things, love does not end. God is love. And Jesus is the word of love. Jesus is the truth, the logos, the beginning and the end. He is the last man standing. Behold the man. And he is the judgment. John 12, 49, speaking of that Friday, he said, now, now is the judgment of this world. Do you understand what I'm saying? This world thinks that I judged Jesus that day. (laughs) But Jesus wasn't being judged. I was. We are. He is not divided. We are. He does not change. We do. And one day we all must face him lifted up on his cross, a slaughtered lamb standing on the throne, God's judgment of love. See, that's why you Brits and Americans, empire-loving Brits and Americans have such a difficult time understanding. You read about the day of vengeance in Isaiah, his coming with eyes of fire in John's revelation, trampling the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, swinging the swords with which he smites the nations, and, and you think, you think he changes. You think he gives up his post. You think the steadfast love of the Lord ceases. You think his mercies come to an end. You think Jesus changes. And some of you want him to change. Change into what? God forbid. Me. Caesar, 
Conan the Barbarian. A king of this world who will wield the weapons of this world. Which means, you see, that you still chant for Barabbas. Which means that you still do not see Jesus. Which means that your eyes are still closed to the glory of God. Which means you still must face the judgment. Which means you are not yet ready for Easter. I'm I'm saying that, that as Jesus stood before me that day, I'm telling you, I stood before Jesus and I saw the eyes of fire. I'm saying, mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vineyard where the grapes of wrath are stored. He has loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. Read it, Isaiah 61, 64, Luke 4, Revelation 14 and 19, and you will see that the day of vengeance is the day of salvation is the day that Jesus the Christ tramples the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God outside the walls of Jerusalem and the blood is wine and the wine is blood. His cross is the great winepress where he bears his own vengeance on our behalf, where he takes our sins and transforms them into grace, where he is crushed and his lifeblood becomes our salvation. In Revelation 19, Read it. He is the terrible swift sword. The truth, the word that smites the kings of the earth and all people. Isaiah 53, the slaughtered lamb is the strong arm of the Lord. I'm saying he is the WMD. The weapon of mass destruction from behind the curtain in the stone bunker. And you remember what happened when he died, that curtain, it ripped from the top to the bottom and he got out. That day that he stood before me, I felt the power. And I saw the glory and I shut my eyes. I ran. I shut my heart and I ran. You see, I desperately wanted him to change so that I would not have to change, but he wouldn't change. He wouldn't run. And so I ran, and I hid in death. Revelation 6, 15, I hid. The kings of the earth hide under the earth, in the earth. And what do they hide from? The glory of the slaughtered lamb on the throne. All my life and into death, his eyes of burning love pursued me, and I hid in Sheol. I hid in hell. Some people say, That's the end. But the scripture says, he is the end. Listen to Solomon, Song of Solomon 8, 6. Love is strong as death. 
Its passion fierce is the grave. The word in Hebrew is sheol, hell. Its flashes are flashes of fire, the very flame of God. Isaiah, Romans, Philippians, they all say it. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall give praise. And what could that mean? But that every heart will believe for every heart will be captured by the king of love. Jesus said, now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people unto myself. Revelation 19, 12, read it. Jesus pursues and destroys the kings of the earth. That's me. Revelation 20, verse 24, the kings of the earth bring their glory into the eternal city. (laughs) That, my friends, is also me. I must die with him and rise with him. Do you understand? Jesus is the WMD. He is the weapon of mass destruction, but only because first and foremost, he's the WMC. The weapon of mass creation. He is the word of God by whom and through whom all things that have been created are created. He is the first and the last. He is the last man standing. And the first man standing in the new creation. And that, my friends, is Easter. The dawning of the new creation. The dawning of the kingdom of love. You see, it is a kingdom of love. That means you cannot see Easter until your heart surrenders to love. And so if you reject love, you reject light and life and the truth. And oh yeah, You descend deeper and deeper and deeper into darkness. You deny him. However, he will not deny himself. He will not abandon his post. Love never stops loving you. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. Love endures all things. Next verse, 1 Corinthians 13, 8. Love never fails. Love wins. He never abandons his post. And you see, unless we really believe that, we will abandon the post. We'll abandon love. And we'll turn our God into a monster as we ourselves transform ourselves into monsters in his image. But when we love, no matter the cost, when we love, no matter the cost, the truth is marching on. It defeats every kingdom of this world, but not with the weapons of this world. So religious institutions may advance through emperors and presidents and massive armies, but the kingdom of God advances through people who will not abandon the post. It advances by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. By the fifth century A.D., The empire was nominally Christian, much like your empire. However, the lust and the greed and the covetousness and the violence continued. The gladiator games 
continued. Until one day when a little Syrian monk wandered into the Roman Colosseum. For some reason, he felt drawn there by God. And as the games began, he understood why. Gladiators entered the arena. They saluted the emperor, saying, Hail, we die to the glory of Caesar. And then the games began. This little monk, Telemachus, Upon seeing what they were doing, he jumped up on the, on, the perimeter, on the perimeter wall and he cried out, in the name of Christ, stop, stop. He looked like a clown. No one really noticed him. Anyone that did started laughing. And so uh, Telemachus, he jumped down off of the perimeter wall and he ran out into the middle of the arena between the gladiators. One of the gladiators took his shield and just slung him across the Colosseum. He flew like a ragdoll, sprawled in the dirt, and the entire Colosseum erupted in, in laughter. But Telemachus would not surrender the post. He would not retreat. He would not surrender. He ran out between the gladiators once again crying, in the name of Christ, stop! In the name of Christ, stop! In the name of Christ, stop! And he interfered with one of the gladiators' blows. And someone in the stands, they yelled, run him through! Someone else joined him, run him through! And then it became a chant, run him through, run him through, run him through. But Telemachus would not surrender his post. He stood his ground in front of one of those massive gladiators. The crowd chanting, run him through. Telemachus pleading the blood, pleading the word. In the name of Christ, stop. The gladiator was Pilatus, armed with a spear. And so as they chanted and Telemachus pleaded, this gladiator lifted his pilus above his head and then he thrust it into Telemachus' chest, into his heart. And as Telemachus fell upon the dust and the dirt of the Colosseum, the Colosseum suddenly grew quiet. His blood, Christ's blood, Blood from the wine press. It spilled out into the dust of the Colosseum floor. And with his final breath, he swung the sword. He spoke the word. In the name of Christ. And then they all sat there. just gazing at body broken and bloodshed. Just gazing at love. And then one of them stood up and left. And then another, and then another, even including the emperor, until the entire Colosseum was empty. And that is the last known, recorded, you can look in history books, last recorded gladiator fight in the Roman Colosseum. You see, Telemachus was the last gladiator. But Telemachus is the body of Christ. Christ Jesus is the last gladiator. He is the last man standing. And the first man standing 
in the new creation. Firstborn from the dead. Easter. God raised him from the dead. Nothing, no one is more powerful than God. Nothing, no one is more glorious than God. And God is love. One day you'll see it. One day. Love wins. Every when, everywhere, every how. In other words, Easter cannot be stopped. Easter cannot be stopped. For on that night that he was delivered up, on that night that the truth, the word, the logos, through whom and by whom all things that have been created are created, on that night he took bread and he broke it saying, this is my body given to you. Take and eat and do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, after supper and having given thanks, he said, this is the covenant the blood of the covenant, the new covenant in my blood, poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it, all of you, and do it in remembrance of me. Pray with me. Make these words your words if you can. Lord Jesus, we confess to you that we have despised love and that's called sin. And now we surrender to you the king of love that's called repentance. And now we call on you, love, to pour yourself out on us, to forgive us our sins and our iniquities and fill us with your very self. Fill us with your nature, your spirit, your truth, your life. Fill us with love. And that's grace. In Jesus' name, amen. And so we invite you whether you knew or you've been around here a long time, if you want him, come forward to one of four stations. Tear off a piece of the bread and dip it in the cup. The dark cups are wine. The light cups are juice. And check this out. He's already forgiven you. See the glory? Amen. All praise and glory to the Lamb. 
For he is a king that is worthy of your heart. And love wins. Love wins, and it's important for you to believe that love wins so you don't abandon the post. So you don't resort to other weapons, to other means. You see, when we abandon that post and resort to other things, that's, that's called sin. But love wins. In this world, it's just being tried and trusted and formed within us. Love, love wins. And so believe the gospel, love wins, and do not abandon the post. Even when your marriage is really, really hard, don't abandon the post. Even when your friends forsake you and revile you and hurl insults at you, don't abandon the post. Even when this entire world is arrayed against you and breathing threats upon your life, don't abandon the post. For in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, just one breath away is Easter. And you are being made for Easter. In Jesus' name, believe the gospel and live the gospel. Amen. Hey there. I hope the message that you just heard or viewed helped you to believe a little more that God is better than you thought, the love of Jesus is deeper than you know, and the Spirit is everywhere working the wonders of mercy. If that's so, I'd love it if you would consider two things. Number one, ask yourself if there's someone that you know that might benefit from this message, and then uh, forward this link onto them. There are several ways that you can do that by visiting our website at thesanctuarydowntown.org. Secondly, I'd love it if you'd uh, take just a moment and uh, ask the Lord if He'd like you to contribute to this endeavor financially. We really can't do this except for the fact that God inspires people like you um, to give. And uh, you can do that by uh, going to the website and clicking on uh, the donate button or uh, by simply mailing a check to the Sanctuary downtown at uh, 2215 West 30th Avenue, Denver, Colorado 80211. Uh, thanks for being a part of what we're doing, and God bless you.